This, my friends, is another anatomy of restlessness. <laughs> because the last episode was an anatomy of restlessness. And I had noted that distinction. This isn't the anatomy. It's an anatomy of restlessness. And I made some offhanded comment, like, I'm sure there are other anatomies of restlessness, which is just an awkward sentence anyway. But I swear to you, the last episode, I finished it. I went into the house. I got something to eat. I got in the car to pick my daughter up from school. And I thought, there is so much more to say about this. Like, I have so many, there, there's so much more about restlessness. I should do another anatomy of restlessness. And then there's that moment that's so super duh. You know what I mean? It's so obvious that it's not obvious. But I, I was like, well, then, of course, it would, it would need to be called another anatomy of restlessness. So, <laughs> and you know if you're already entertaining yourself, you're halfway there, correct? Uh, so this is another anatomy of restlessness. And I essentially have uh, a couple of a story, uh, an image, a couple of texts, and then I want to end with uh, 20 questions to ask of your restlessness, 10 pairs of questions um, to ask as you go into the heart of your restlessness. Because as with everything, the universe ri is rigged in favor of our growth. Like your restlessness, it's not your enemy. It's not something's wrong. It's your life speaking to you, inviting you to something. And if you can make that quantum leap, uh, if, if you can reframe everything in terms of the restlessness, the angst, uh, that sense of what is this? Um, yeah, if you can convert that into questions, if you can convert that into invitation and opportunity, something is happening here. My life is telling me the truth. This isn't the problem. This is the announcement that there's more. And so instead of reading it as something to get rid of, you read it as like a warning light on your dashboard. Hey, there's something new. Uh, even using the language of something's wrong, no, something is speaking to you. Do you see how that shift just transforms everything? Because the whole system is rigged for your growth, for your expansion, and I would argue for your joy. So uh, all sorts of uh, things I want to walk you through. Um, so let's rip open our hearts, shall we? And go even farther into another anatomy of restlessness. First image, um, before we get to a story, before we get to two other images, before we get to the questions. In many ways, restlessness, uh, I was thinking about this this week, as I thought about last episode and this episode. In many ways, Restlessness is like a sine wave in that, or like inhaling and exhaling, it comes on you and then it passes and a form works. It serves you well. This chapter, this phase, this season of life, things are cooking. 
we're doing well. We got everything locked in. Nice. Nothing's squeaking. Nothing's wobbling. Excellent. And then something starts to creep in. Like, wait, this isn't working anymore. Oh, I wonder. It's like third grade. Remember the first day of third grade, those nerves, the blood pumping. You didn't know if you're going to have any friends. You didn't know what the teacher was going to be like. You didn't know if the classroom was going to be, what time we're going to go lunch. When is recess? Whoa. You sort of entered in. You're a little jacked up. You're a little jittery. You're a little nervous. And then you settled into third grade. And it was like third grade. And then towards the end, you started to feel that like it's the end of third grade. I'm about ready to be done with third grade. Or think about high school senioritis, right? At the beginning, it was like, is it going to be okay? Wow, I'm, I'm the new here. This is You had all that sort of new, the excitement, the adrenaline, the thrill, the fear, the terror, the what is this going to be? And then you settled into it. And then towards the end, you started to feel like, okay, I'm about done with this place. I'm about ready to get out of here. So it sort of comes on like an inhale and then moves into an exhale. So one of the things to begin with about restlessness is to see it not as something is wrong, but to see it as your body, soul, spirit, life's way of showing you uh, something's coming, something's ending, and if something's ending, then something is probably beginning. I have these notebooks from years ago, and I have these, uh, I noticed these pages like especially back in my late 20s, these pages of like, when, question mark, when, exclamation point, when, like this restless, I got things I want to do. <laughs> and when you're younger, you tend to write in a bigger font with more drama, um, this sense of this form, this way things are arranged right now, it's got me uh, itching for the next thing. And then as you get older, you get better at spotting the inhale and the exhale. You get better at spotting, oh, this is ending, which means let's just let it end. And that means something new is going to beginning. You get better and better at this. When you, uh, when you surf with a great surfer, they're doing like 72 things at once. Uh, but you notice when you're with somebody who's surfing for the first time, you break it down into the most basic, simple steps. At first, you need everything broken down for you. Then you do this, then you do this, then you do this. But when you get better, all of those things get stacked on top of each other and they happen like instantly. Yeah, that's what happens with restlessness is you get better at better at understanding, oh, that's what this is. Restlessness is back. Interesting. Something about the form. Spirit is inhabiting form and yet form isn't holding and containing and channeling spirit like it used to. At one point, this was a giant leap forward. This new arrangement, this structure, this way we do things, this way we manage the house, this way that the structure works within the business, this way that we create, whatever it is. At one point, this was like, oh my word, I can't believe I didn't think of this earlier. At one point, it was like, this is like I've been set free. This is like a whole new day. And then that very same form that at one point was liberating starts to get a little little claustrophobic. It gets a little stale. It, it gets confining 
in some sort of strange way. And so what you're doing is you're getting better and better at realizing, oh, we hold the forms loosely because they, in essence, come and go over the course of our life. And so what you're doing is you're getting better and better at like, like picture that sine wave or like a heart monitor or like an inhale, exhale. Oh, that's what's happening now. Got it. So when it comes to your restlessness, you can get better and better and better at not being surprised or shocked or heartbroken, but you can just name it and see it. You see it coming. It's familiar. You know what to do, and away we go. Now, a story involving that, that was roughly a year ago, a little a year ago and a little over a year ago, the story happened. And I thought when it happened, that's a Robcast episode. Um, but then I also thought, no, I need to sit with this longer because it just, the story makes me laugh. It gets better as time goes by. So uh, last year I did this tour called the Holy Shift Tour, and I started the tour in Arizona in Tucson and Phoenix, and then the tour went to San, San Diego and then went to Santa Barbara. By the way, side note, because everything fits together with everything, um, this year's tour, Introduction to Joy, I'm in San Diego in two weeks, and then uh, after that, I'll be in Tucson, Arizona, and then Mesa, Arizona, and then Tulsa and Oklahoma City. So um, the cities that I started last year's tour in, I'm heading your way, San Diego and Tucson, and I've never done an event, never done a tour stop in Mesa. So all of you folks, I am coming your way, and OKC and Tulsa, there's a taco place in Tulsa. Literally, when I heard we were doing Tulsa, I was like, I'm going to go to that taco place, and it's just going to be so fun. And those of you in Tulsa know exactly. It's those streets with the bricks. There's a taco place there. Man. So uh, where was Oh, yeah. So last year's tour was called The Holy Shift, and I had this story. Uh, something happened to me in interacting with this person literally 15 years ago. Um, uh, I had met this woman, and I had, uh, after a sermon, I think it was, and she had had a question, and we had interacted, and then I had seen her a little while later, and there was somebody else there, and we had this interaction, and it just stayed with me. She told me a bit of her story. It was one of those tragic, heartbreaking, you, you can't believe somebody has endured this. And then I saw her later, and somehow the whole story... Um, it just stayed with me for years, and I'd been carrying it around. Like at some point, that story it it um, it speaks to me at such a deep level about what it means to be human, about what it means to get back up when you've been knocked down and keep going. It's about love and loss, and more and more over the years, that story just grew and grew. And eventually, I was like, I think this story, I think I could do a whole tour just around what this story has taught me, and then. Um, a couple other stories started almost like to speak to it, and I noticed when I started to like write them out, um, that's where the whole holy shift thing came from, is this one story was like a center. And I was like, oh my word, I'll, that'll be towards the end of the show, and when I tell that story. It's like you have that dialogue in your head, you're like, it'll be awesome. People will just be blown away. Um, so I built the whole holy shift tour sort of began with this one story and then a story added to it. And then remember the story about the trees and then the story about the guy at the parking lot and then the guy who said, I used to like your old stuff. Those of you who've heard uh, the tour, um, parentheses, it's on my site, by the way, you can hear the tour. But uh, 
so I put together the whole thing. I work on it for a couple of years, and then I go out a little over a year ago to start doing the tour, and the first two cities are Tucson and Phoenix, and it, it goes fine. I mean, it takes a while. When you're doing like a two-hour thing, it takes a while for it to find its groove, but I walked off stage both nights like, mm, something's missing. That thing is just not, it's not there. It's just not there. It's not good enough. Um, and then the third city was San Diego, and I remember walking off stage thinking, man, it's really not there. There is something missing in uh, this holy shift thing I'm doing. And it was like one of those, uh, you're in pretty deep at that point because <laughs> a bunch of cities are booked, but I could not figure out what it was. I was like, is it something at the end? Is it something at the beginning? Did I not frame it right? Um, it was like really, truly bothering me under my skin. And I know enough to know it takes a while for uh, especially something that's that sort of long and big to fall into place. But I had serious, and especially, by the way, dear San Diego, I especially was like, that wasn't great. It just wasn't great. Um, and that feeling when you've thrown yourself into it, you've given everything you have, and yet you still are like, man, this, this, it's like a piece of art, but it's, it's not ready. It's, I'm hanging it on the wall, and then I'm stepping back and going, nah. So, fourth city is Santa Barbara. And Kristen comes with me um, because we drive up in the afternoon, doing they're going to drive home afterward. I think we stayed in a hotel, whatever. Anyway, Kristen comes with me, and it's the first time she's going to hear this thing that I've already done in three different cities. And Kristen sits side stage and takes in the whole show. A couple times, like when it's funny and people are laughing, I'd look over at her like, that's funny, right? Like, So she's side stage. I walk off stage, uh, and she says... <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's good. People really love that, except for that one story. How, you, you need to drop it. <laughs> and you know what story, right? You know what story is referred to. She's like, yeah, except for that one story. Uh, um, you, should, you, should, you need to take that out of the show. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you don't understand. Uh, that story is like the, it's like the heart. It's like the center. It's like the emotional core of the whole thing. And she says, no, it's emotionally manipulative. <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> By the way, I told her this week, it's like, I think I'm going to tell that story on this week's Robcast about when you came to Santa Barbara and heard the show and you said, uh, you know, you should get rid of that story. It's not that good. And she's like, I didn't say it's not that good. I said, it's emotionally manipulative. She's like, and I was like, but it's this... I can't imagine this show without that story. I, like if I if I extract, I'm like pulling the heart out of the body, and she's like, "Okay, fine, keep it in." It's just if I ever come, I just won't. Uh, I'm not. I'm gonna leave during that story. <laughs> Excuse me. How? Fantastic is that lady. Fine, keep it in. I'll just leave during that part. Um, and I remember driving home from Santa Barbara, like, wait. The last thing I'd thought of that was wrong or that was off was that story. That story was like, I had deep affection for that story. I was like clinging to that story. That story was the heart but I know enough to know this woman is right. 
Like her batting average is unbelievable. Um, I, I know enough with her to whatever it is, there's some truth in it, and it's probably just the truth, so just sit with it. So for the first time, after working on that tour for what, a year, two years, I like go through the exercise of extracting that story out of the show. And I'm like, I don't even know like what I would put there. And as I sit with this gate, as I sort of conjure up this gaping hole in the middle of it because of my beloved precious story has been yanked from it, I begin to realize, oh, but what if I put my heart in there? Uh, what if I were to rip open my heart and what if I were to make it really personal there? Not somebody else's story, but me and how the larger thing I'm trying to do there, how it has shaped and transformed me. Whoa. That would, uh, that would require something of me that the show right now doesn't require. I, I would have to enter in in a way that right now I haven't entered in. And it, uh, it's one of those things where an idea, you know that thing, when, the progression of an idea, when an idea is like way out there, it's like uh, circulating, or it's like spinning around like a, like a fly sort of orbiting you in the air, but then it gets closer and you start to entertain it and then it starts to get sticky. It's like you, it starts to work its way in. And then eventually it moves to where you can't imagine not thinking about it like that. The idea takes over. It like switches from 49% to 51%. And now it's just gradually taking hold until this moment when you can't imagine that that was ever a new idea. It's just a, of course, it's like a, now it's like an assumption. And uh, I remember this moment uh, and then over the following week of, oh, how, what was I thinking ever having that story <laughs> in the show? Yeah, that, of course that, of course that show, of course doesn't fit. Of course the whole thing felt off. Of course I was restless about it. I was restless. I was feeling like, a, this isn't working. Something's not right. I need to move it, change it, tweak it. But what I had done is completely overlooked the one thing that needed to be removed because of my affections for it, because of my emotional attachments for it, because it got in early, and I'd only ever thought about this piece of art with that story as the center. So it's almost like it got in on time. It got in on age. It got in early, and it got in on the ground floor, and so I never thought to question the very nature of the ground floor. I'm like trying to swap out pictures and put windows in different places instead of going, hey, I don't think the floor is right to extend the metaphor a little farther. And the reason why I say that is when you are experiencing restlessness, one of the things that's most easy to overlook is that which is most precious, most effective. I use that word precious on purpose. That which is most, uh, has your, you are the most affectionate about. Because there are these things that we don't, touch. We handle them so carefully because of memory, because of a fondness due to nostalgia, because that season of life was great, because 
Um, it felt like we won when we were wearing that jersey. So why would we put that jersey in the bag that's going to Goodwill, right? It's like we had that. It was wonderful for that earlier incarnation, for that earlier season. It was perfect for that form. And so we're restless, and we're trying to figure out where the change needs to come. We're trying to figure out what doesn't fit. We're trying to figure out what goes next. And our affections and our fondness blind us to something that might be right in front of us, and it's time for it to go. And the beautiful thing about when spirits on move is whatever it is you, uh, once you see, then you can let it go. By the way, side note, please tell me you know who Marie Kondo is, right? Tidying up with Marie Kondo. There's a book, there's a show on Netflix. Please tell me you know this supernatural, angelic human being disguised as a woman named Marie Kondo who helps people tidy up their houses and organize. Oh my word, just, just go on, if you have Netflix or your friend, go on and see her show and watch when she comes into the people's house. Her job is she goes around and she helps people tidy up their houses. But then of course, our stuff is about all kinds of other things. But I'm telling you, when she greets the people's house, it happens about three minutes into each episode, wrecks me every time. I even know it's coming. I'm waiting. I'll watch the episode just to watch her greet the house. And then from there on, I know how she's going to fold the socks. And I know how she's going to make them pile the clothes on the bed, etc. And once you see one episode, you've seen them all at some level, but you haven't. But I'm telling you, when she greets the house, some of you know what I'm talking about. You are laughing right now, aren't you? That she wrecks me when she does that. But what's so interesting is when people are tidying up and they have things that need to go, she has them thank it. You thank the item. You thank the memorabilia. You thank the sweater. It served you well. Yeah, yeah. You turn all that affection into thank you. And then... You let it go, which, by the way, I wasn't planning on talking about, but one of the ways uh, you know when something new is happening, one of the ways restlessness often manifests itself is a thing becomes more than just a thing. A piece of furniture becomes more than just a piece of furniture. A car becomes more than a car. A sweater becomes more than a sweater. You'll often notice this, that something material, it starts to vibrate, it starts to electrify, you, um, it's, it's just a chair. And yet for some reason you keep getting drawn back to the chair because in that moment, the chair is more than a chair. It's saying something to you about your past, your present, your future. Uh, you used to sit in that chair when you did X. And so the chair is still in the house cause you don't want to get rid of it, but actually we're moving on now and the chair no longer fits. Oh, that's what it is. This chair is actually channeling my grief that that season of life is over. Oh, yeah, the kids, they used to play with that, and we're holding on to it because I remember those years with such love and affection, but they don't play with it anymore, and now it kind of is an eyesore. But to tear it out would be to acknowledge to leave it, to give it to somebody else. I remember when we gave away our trampoline years ago because the boys were too old for it. Oh, 
oh, but then we had to get another one because then we had a girl nine years later. Oh, but some of those moments, the passages of time, and it's like it's a trampoline, but it's more than a trampoline. It's that bicycle, but it's more than a bicycle. Yeah, one of the ways that restlessness speaks to you is material items begin to have uh, like a hum to them. It's like they're talking to you. You're like, how come I keep thinking about my car? How come that rug is under my skin? How come? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's what happens. That's what happens is these moments and these memories and these desires and these intentions, they begin to attach themselves to different things. That's what's happening there. Now, uh, two images, uh, two texts. It's interesting, In uh, there's this line in the Psalms about how the divine has set my feet in a broad space. Yeah, and the word uh, mechab is the Hebrew word, M-E-R-C-H-A-B is one way to spell it in English. Uh, but there's this interesting thing in the scriptures between a wide place and a narrow place. There's a wide, expansive, open, broad, spacious space, and then there is a narrow, cramped, confined walls closing in on your shoulders, the stones, the boulders are cramping you, they're holding you in tight so you can barely breathe. And one of the ways that the psalm writers speak of what spirit does, of what the divine does, the divine comes into that tight space and draws you out of it and into a wide, spacious space. Yeah, you set, the prayer is, you set my feet in a wide place. Isn't that restlessness? Oftentimes, restlessness has a feeling, it's almost like a a narrowness of soul. It's a tightness of heart. It's something here is cutting off. uh, I love that how the, the phrase room to breathe, something is cutting off my oxygen supply. There's something about this present form that is inhibiting the forces of vitality in life to flow through me. And what I'm asking for is I'm asking to be brought out into a wide space, a broad space, a spacious space, where those powers and life forces can flow through me all the more. Yeah, try try making that your mantra, your prayer, your meditation. Yeah, from a narrow space to a wide space. Uh, another image... Um, actually, it's a narrative from the New Testament that has always been to me, it's so, it's so interesting. It's so inspiring to me because it's so weird. Uh, in the book of Acts, there's this uh, man named the Apostle Paul. He writes a good chunk of the New Testament, and he travels all over announcing this gospel of good news. Uh, uh, one of the phrases they use, by the way, to describe what he's doing is he announces, he says that he's announcing a new humanity. <laughs> How great is that phrase? It's about a new humanity. The dividing wall of hostility between people has been torn down because we realize we're all part of the same body. Um, there's a there's a universal one humanity, brothers and sisters all together. That's what he's announcing. It's just it's so rad. It's ahead of. It's not only ahead of its time. It was ahead of our time. But anyway. Um, it says here, Paul and his companions, this is Acts chapter 16, 
Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. By the way, we're giving no explanation. The author doesn't say anything about like what that means. It just means the Spirit wouldn't let them go into Asia. Uh, okay. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Okay, second place they weren't able to get into. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. You know where Troas is. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Okay, first off, uh, so strange, right? This is sacred history for, for millions of people around the world. This, and there are people who, you know, every word of the Bible inspired, I love it, I'm right with you. It's just that the stories, if you actually read them, that's what you mean by inspiration. Somebody who gets a vision to go to a place starts going to that place and they're told, no, you can't go here. So then they think, well, no, I guess we're going, I guess we're supposed to go some other place. So they go to the other place. And what the writer is doing is attaching like divine sanction to this. So the writer's essentially saying, uh, yeah, this man, Paul, uh, the writer in some ways is saying, you know, God, which I, you, you know, I like that sort of language to me is like, whoa, but it's like the writer's going, God told Paul to go to this place. And then he went there and he couldn't get in. And he was like, no, apparently not. So then he was told, go to this place. And he went there and he was told, nope. And then he was told to go to this other place. And he's like, well, okay, I guess I'll go there. It's an odd story of a man wandering around, unable to access the places that he believes he's being told to go to. And I've tried to make this last one minute here as convoluted as possible. Because there's a restlessness in this short little paragraph hidden there in the book of Acts. It's somebody on the move, but they're not getting where they want to go. There's as many red lights as green lights. There's as much rejection as there is permission. So one of the things about restlessness that's incredibly important to keep at the forefront of your mind and heart is sometimes you're restless and it's time to go. It's time to explore. It's time to try this. It's time to try that. But you may be entering in to a season. Restlessness may simply be the invitation to wander around and get a whole bunch of no's in a row a whole bunch of red lights, a whole bunch of unable to access. That's what it might lead to. So oftentimes when we're restless, we're like, just show me the next thing and I'll go do it. This isn't working. Something's not right here. And we're like, I just need the next thing. Here's the thing. The next thing might be trying and not getting any progress on 20 different things. And that might all be part of it. And the reason why I read a story from a book, from a library of books, from a couple thousand years ago, is these people saw this as sacred history. 
They didn't have to include that. Because for the writer, in many ways, this man Paul is a hero. He's, he's like a giant revolutionary. Uh, and if you follow it, the, the writer here is crafting the story in such a way to show you the greatness and innovation and the radical things, ideas this man Paul is taking around about what it means to be human, about grace, about love, about equality. Uh, but the writer also wants you to know the guy also did just wander around. And remember when it says like Troas and Phrygia and Galatia, there weren't like airplanes and there, were, there weren't cars. These guys are walking. This is like they walked in that direction for weeks and then they went and walked in that direction for weeks. And then that didn't work out. So then they walked in that direction for months. This was brutal travel. And it just fits a couple lines there. But I actually think that's the brilliance of the story. Is It's like the writer is saying, the fumbling around is holy. The wandering is sacred. Yeah. The endless attempts that don't seem to succeed, those are all part of the divine history. So for you, and maybe you feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill, like whatever it is you're trying to do, you just keep getting no's. It doesn't seem to get any momentum. It was supposed to be so much farther along by now that it's not. You've missed the last five deadlines. You actually did finish the thing and present it and unleash it, and no one cared. And there's sort of like a, did I fail? Did I? When we're dealing with restlessness, all of the wrong turns and dead ends, it's all part of it. Yeah, so when you take when you do an actual anatomy of restlessness and where it might take you, it's all part of it. It's all part of it. I meet more people who are beating themselves up because they weren't able to nail it right out of the gate. And uh it's really really important to understand you get restless and it's time to go, it's time to move, it's time to try the next thing, it's time to attempt this, risk that. Uh you have no idea where it will land. So on the front end, if you just say, I'm going to own all the green lights and all the red lights. And by the way, when you're at a dinner party, the red lights are the best stories, right? Are you with me on this? The person who's like, and then I tried this and I was awesome. And then I tried this and I was so good at it. And then I did this. And every time it was just like amazing. Get out of my face. I want to have dinner with the person who's like, oh man, you wouldn't believe how much money I lost. And then the car broke down and I had to walk uphill both ways and it was snowing and the sun was too hot, right? That's the person we all want to have dinner with. Yeah, because we're like, you get it. <laughs> and that's always way more funny, right? It's way more enjoyable to talk about the stuff that just blew up in our face. If you can laugh about that, you're indestructible. If you can enjoy all the wrong turns... <laughs> Like if you, maybe you've had some critics and you can laugh. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Okay, now, what was it that I said we would do at the end here? Ah, uh, yes. A series of questions. Uh, 20 questions in 10 pairs, for those keeping score at home, uh, about restlessness. These, this is what to ask yourself. When you sense restlessness creeping in, 
questions to ask yourself. First pair. Is this restlessness calling me and speaking to me and inviting me to more? Or is this restlessness calling me, inviting me, speaking to me about less? Because sometimes uh, we don't have enough for whatever it is we need to do, whatever we're here to do. Uh, More feasting, more partying, more celebrating, more play. Other times the restlessness is less, less, less of that. Uh, Sometimes there's, it's, uh, no, we're done with that. It's time to get down to work. Sometimes it's put the work down. It's time to party. More, less. Sometimes it's about stuff. You don't have the stuff you need to do what you're going to do next. You don't have the equipment. You don't have the funds. You don't have the, we, we got to get that because that's required for where we're going next. Other times it's, you have too much stuff. Empty out your closets. Get rid of that car. Get that furniture right there, that room. Mm-mm, too much stuff, too much junk. You're holding on to stuff. Clean that, zen this thing up. <laughs> Tidy up. Let's do this. Yeah. Is this restlessness? Is it about more or is it about less? Okay. Uh, is this about I need to walk f- I need to walk farther into this? Or is this about I need to walk away from it? Because sometimes the problem is we haven't committed enough. We haven't fully given ourselves to it. There are new ways we could engage. So the restlessness is I'm here, but at some level I'm not here. And this is never going to work if I'm half-assing it. This is never going to work if I'm partway in and partway out. So sometimes it's, do I need to walk even farther in? Will, Will a whole new world open up if I walk farther into it? And sometimes restlessness is, this is never going to work. Just admit it and walk away. Yeah, have the guts to walk away or have the courage to walk even farther in. But right now the restlessness is you aren't either. And that's, that's a problem. Or similar to this, um, is this restlessness because I need to settle down? I am under the illusion that there's somehow some better thing somewhere else. And that's a lie. And, and sometimes also we can trace that back in our own history. We're always believing about the color of the grass over there. Um, is this because I need to settle down and accept and make peace with just how great this is? Or is this restlessness the opposite of that? No. Whatever you do, don't settle down. Mm-mm, you're just passing through. So just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge it. You're going to disappoint some people. Some people are not going to understand. But no, this is the opposite of that. Now, here's another question to ask about restlessness. And this one, whew, uh, is this restlessness about accepting that this is fine? Or is this restlessness about, no, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. Because sometimes uh, our restlessness is we refuse 
we can't make peace with it. This is good enough. This is good enough. Yeah. Oh my word. The number of parents I meet who are beating themselves up for all of these things that apparently they think they're supposed to be doing for their kid. Stop your restlessness. You're doing fine. Stop it. You're fine. <laughs> and then other times the restlessness is, mm -mm, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. And, uh, so you need to start over. You need to scrap it. You need to put even more money into it. You need to go back through and do another round of edits. Mm -mm, it's not good enough. And I know everybody around me thinks it's good enough. Everybody else went home a long time ago, but for some reason I'm still here at the desk. Yeah, it's because it's not good enough. And my restlessness is I'm surrounded by voices that think it's fine, but I'm not here to do stuff that's fine. I'm here to do stuff that's great. So that's where the restlessness is. Yeah. Oh, here's another one. Is this restlessness because I need more challenge? Or is this restlessness I'm feeling because I need more ease? Yeah. How about that one? Sometimes the restlessness, can I even say this? Sometimes your restlessness is because it's time for the next challenge. You've done this. You mastered it. You completed the course. Well done. You crossed the finish line. Now it's time for the next challenge. And what we know about you is you're only happy and content when you've got a nice big challenge ahead of you. Other times, Maybe the restlessness is you have been pushing for so long. You have been in the battle. You have been fighting your way through the malaise. And uh, the restlessness is you need ease. You need a season of rest. You need comfort. You need some luxury sprinkled in there somewhere, right? Sometimes you need like, oh, I'm done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's about ease. No, I'm tired of fighting that battle. I don't want to do that right now. I'm exhausted. Yeah, and the restlessness is, I'm going to take time away from this. And you may understand or you may not, but that's what's needed. That's what has been, that's what it is. Here's the one. Is this restlessness about something new being birthed? Oh, that's what it is. Yeah, something new wants to be birthed. And so I need to start clearing the deck. I need to start clearing the calendar. Something new wants to be birthed. Or is this restlessness about doubling down on what's right here, right now? Oh, I, this thing right in front of me the whole time, I haven't given it what it deserves. It's actually bigger, wider, greater than, than, than I've, I haven't fully appreciated it. And so I've been sort of drifting when the thing I thought I was looking for has been here the whole time. Sometimes it's something new, and sometimes it's the double down on what's been in front of you the whole time. Uh, another question. Is this restlessness about a break in what I've been doing? I got to stop doing this. It's time for a break. Or am I feeling restlessness because there is a continuity here that I haven't previously become aware of? I actually need to carry this on, and I've been faltering. Uh, it's actually a better idea than I thought it was. There's actually a whole new life to be found if I recommit to this. 
No, I don't need to, it's not about a clean break. It's about carrying on a continuity that I wasn't even aware was there. Ooh, I know. See, restlessness raises all these provocative questions. And that's why I'm presenting these almost like polarities, kind of like opposites or like left and right hand. Sometimes it's the one and sometimes it's the other. Going back, my friends, to the universal truth, we hold the forms loosely because what might be the next step for one person might be the worst step for the other person. See, it's, it's the spirit animating the form. These two people can be living in these two houses next door to each other with the exact same floor plans, same size lot, and the one person is thinking, oh my word, I won the lottery. I'm the most grateful person in the world. Can you believe I get to live in this house? And the other person is saying, I don't like the lot line. I don't like the view out the windows. This house is too cramped. Why is the kitchen over here? Same house, two completely different animating spirits about it. Forms, houses, cars, people, cl- uh, people, I, people <laughs> in a sense, structures come and go. Spirit animates those forms. So that's why we keep going back more, less, challenge, ease, is we have no judgment on these forms because sometimes you need one and sometimes you need the other. Depends on where you are at. Uh, Here's another one about restlessness. Sometimes we're restless because it's about us. Sometimes we're restless because it's about others. Sometimes we have been so focused on everybody around us, we haven't been paying attention to our own interiors. So the restlessness is there's something going on inside of us that needs attention. There's something going on inside of us that's asking for some care, for some observance, for some witnessing to it. Uh, And so the restlessness is, hold on, hold on, back away from the crowd, go to a secluded spot, and let's, we have some work to do here. We have some listening to do. Other times, the restlessness may be, we have been so deep within ourselves, we have been listening so intently that we have missed those around us. And so the restlessness is, you're here for these people and they're not getting the fullness that is you. And so that's where the restlessness comes. Spirit is saying to you, hey, 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 you have something to give. You have something these people need. And you'll have so much more joy when you give it, when you pass it along, when you watch them receive the gift you have to give. Yeah. Oh, let's do one more, shall we? Is this restlessness about here or there? <laughs> here? or Is that Sesame Street? Here? Oh, that's near and far. Near and far. Here or there? Is this restlessness because I have been here, but I haven't been fully here? And I need to re-up my commitment to this place, these people, this work. Uh, there's new spirit coming to infuse this place, this land, this town, this geography, this system. Other times is this restlessness because the cloud has moved and now I need to go there. I've been here, but now I need to go there. Sometimes the worst thing you can do is move and leave because wherever you go, there you are. And other times 
geography matters. And for you to be you, you got to go over there. Yeah, you can't do it. You can't, what the thing you're here to do, you can't do it from here. Depends. Once again, depends. We have very little attachment to forms because what we're interested in is what is spirit up to and how do we organize ourselves around that? Oh my word, we did that, did we not? So this, another anatomy of restlessness. <laughs> this has been Robcast 232. I cannot believe we have done 232 of these. Um, once again, uh, this year, the introduction to Joy Tour. I'm coming your way, San Diego, Arizona, OKC, and then a number of other dates are up on the site as well. Uh, we just released part three of the Blood, Guts, and Fire Leviticus series, and I love hearing from those of you who are like, who are listening to the Le so far nine hours of Leviticus, and you're like, wait, that's in there? No way. I love hearing that. Um, and uh, my friends, the universe is rigged in your favor. The whole thing is speaking to us the whole time. So what we're doing is we're learning to listen. Yeah, spirit sort of blows where it wants. Uh, that's a great line from Jesus. I love that line. Yeah, it's like a wind that blows, and so you follow it where it takes you. That's, that's where the joy is. So my friends, as you take part in another anatomy of restlessness, as you listen to it, interview it, question it, observe it, follow it where it takes you, may grace and peace be with you every step of the way.